Right, so this morning is Palm Sunday. Um, it is nothing to do with palm reading or Chris's hands. It is to do uh, with Jesus and his triumphal entrance. Excellent. I was looking at some cases of mistaken identity and people not really knowing who somebody was. And uh, I came across this one on the internet uh, on Serena Williams' uh, Twitter. You know Serena Williams and Venus Williams' sisters. uh, Very, very successful uh, tennis players. Um, They don't really look alike. Yes, there is a family resemblance, but it's quite easy to tell the two apart. But Serena Williams tweeted this. Uh, A lady came up to her and said, has anyone ever told you that you look like Venus Williams? She says, yes, all the time. Serena then tweeted this follow-up. Wait, what's the skinny one's name? Not the skinny one. Serena Williams says, so I look like the fat one? Lol. Ha ha ha. Okay, there you go. Right. So not only did she like think that she might look like a Williams sister, uh, this old lady, she managed to like insult an actual Williams sister and insult her sister all at the same time and wrap it all together. Okay, so um, that's one case of mistaken identity. Now, a couple of years ago in May, uh, I was down in uh, the Cotswolds. Uh, in a place called Upper Slaughter, which is a horrible name for a beautiful place. Uh, okay, it is a lovely, lovely place. Uh, Ruth's dad uh, was celebrating his 70th birthday. His birthday's around about the time, uh, same time as Ruth. So it happened to be Ruth's birthday weekend as well. And we stayed in this amazing, amazing hotel. Okay, it's one of those places that I am so privileged to be able to go into because I'm sitting there thinking, I can't afford to stay here myself. It's a good job someone else is paying. So we go down for breakfast. Uh, If you know anything about Ruth's family, you'll understand that we were at breakfast first. Not because we are the greedy ones in the family, but because the others can quite happily like sleep till like four o'clock in the afternoon and not even notice, right? But we're always down first at breakfast and uh, we sat down there and there's a couple of families in and then uh, a family walks in and, and the guy of the family kind of catches my eye as he sits down just kind of three tables across from where we are. And I looked at Ruth and I went, I, I recognize that guy. I said, it's Rob Bryden. Okay. And we look across. And if you know who Rob Bryden is, a uh, comedian, and we're looking across. Uh, in fact, we've got a picture of him there. There he is. Uh, it's Rob Bryden. Hey, look, it's Rob Bryden. I'm ready to tweet uh, at breakfast. Uh, just a couple of tables up from Rob Bryden. Uh, there he is. Uh, and then uh, kind of look across, and uh, I'm looking at him. And uh, then th- put the next picture up, Steve. All right, there he is again. Oh, no, no, not there he is again. There is Ben Miller from Miller and Armstrong, uh, who I have mistaken for Rob Bryden and only realized when he got up and spoke to the waiter and he wasn't Welsh. All right, so I was so glad, uh, I was so glad that I hadn't made this mistake and made a complete fool of myself that I tweeted the following. Um, there we go. Sat at breakfast and committed the cardinal sin of mistaking at actual Ben Miller for at Rob Bryden. Glad I kept my mouth shut. Hashtag hang my head in shame. Okay. Um, slide six. Okay. This will show you that actually they do look quite alike. All right. Okay. Uh, and uh, they even have noticed this themselves. Okay. Uh, 
Ben Miller tweeted, great to bump into myself at the Painkiller press night. Okay, Painkiller is um, Rob Brydon's latest play. He even said this, uh, Ben Miller did in a newspaper interview. He says, uh, when asked about being mistaken for Rob Brydon, he says, it happens two or three times a day. Some people literally can't tell us apart. They get very confused when I tell them I'm not Rob Brydon. I once met Richard Hammond from Top Gear and I said, I love your show. I'm not into cars, but I enjoy it. He looked like he wanted to kill me. He turned away and his face went grey. That's how I react now when people think that I'm Rob Brydon. I am so glad I didn't say, are you Rob Brydon? Anyway, uh, my heart sinks. It really does. You want people to go, oh, look, wow, it's Ben Miller. You don't want them to go, are you Rob Brydon? It's childish of me to react in that way, but I've got to be honest, I do. He's kind enough to say that he gets mistaken for me too, but I doubt he ever is, really. Okay. So, mistaken identity, uh, it happens uh, to the best of us. Um, we get really kind of confused or we, we think somebody's arriving. I don't know if you've ever done the thing uh, like uh, Lizzie occasionally does in our office where you think uh, you recognize the footsteps of a person who is coming to your door or you think you recognize their, their knock. Uh, Lizzie recognized uh, uh, about a year or so ago the footsteps of Josh uh, walking up uh, the steps. So she leapt from her desk she stood in front of the door, and as he opened the door, she went, Rah! It was a man who had come to give us a quote for some heating who she'd never met before in her life. It was a case of mistaken identity. And this morning, I want to talk to you uh, about Palm Sunday uh, and about uh, a bit of a case of mistaken identity. Okay, uh, let's, let's read what goes on. We've got the first... Uh, slide of Matthew 21. Okay, it tells this story if you want to turn to it uh, or if you want to write it down. Sorry, it is a bit small. Uh, We had a little bit of problem with the font this morning. Uh, But it says this, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Um, kind of a little bit kind of random when you think about it. That Effectively, Jesus sent them to go and steal him a donkey. And if anybody asked why they were doing it, tell them he needed it. But we know he'd got all this planned. Uh, so I like to think he'd asked beforehand. Uh, or at least it was predestined through like Jesus-y stuff. Right, anyway, this took, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Um, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We have the next slide, so carries on. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees. See, it could be called Branch Sunday, Chris. Um, And spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
verse 4, kind of, it says, uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And then we had that little bit, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey uh, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And in Zechariah uh, 9, that's where it says that. Okay, and that was written 500 years uh, before these events are taking place. So people have been waiting. People have been waiting for this prophesied king. They've been waiting for this to happen. It's described how he's going to come in. He's going to come in uh, riding on a donkey. Okay, the palms are going to be cut and put before him. Okay, the people are crying out, um, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. Okay, it becomes a word of praise, but it means, it means save us. These people are crying out. It's all foretold, and it happens, yet still people say, who, who is this? Who is this man? So he comes in riding on a donkey. You might expect a king. Uh, you know, Jesus describes as the, the king of kings. He's described as the, the prince of peace. You might expect a king or a prince to come in on like a mighty kind of war horse. Coming in, showing his power, showing his authority, showing, you know, that he is someone to be reckoned with. But no, he chooses to come in with a donkey uh, and it's colt. And he comes in doing that because Jesus doesn't want to come in and talk about how powerful he is. He wants to set things out. He wants to set out that he's coming in humbly. That he's coming in as someone that is different from maybe what the people are expecting. This donkey represents peace. And the palm branches that are being thrown down, thrown down they, they symbolize triumph. They symbolize victory. And yet the crowds are still asking and the, the people in Jerusalem are asking, who, who is this? You know, I don't know uh, about you, but when there's a buzz, it says in there, doesn't it, all Jerusalem was stirred. Okay, right. All Jerusalem was kind of hyped up. All Jerusalem, there was this great buzz around. Something was happening in the streets. People were singing and shouting. People wanted to know what was going on. Uh, I know kind of when we see something going on that's out of the ordinary, we get drawn to it and we want to find out what's going on. There was a fire in an MOT station just down near Ormiston Forge, the school where Melody goes and like, some of the guys here go. Uh, and um, Stuff was on fire and exploding, so naturally all the children were drawn to it. Uh, the police were telling people to stay away. Uh, all the, like, the young people were, uh, were trying to claim that they like, lived next door to it and things like this so they could get to it. It's like the police must like, think that like, about like, 500 kids all like, live in a house next to the, uh, the garage. But they'd seen something was going on, and it was all over Twitter, it was all over Instagram, it was all over Snapchat, it was all over Facebook that something was going on. And that's the kind of thing that we've got here in Jerusalem. Everybody, everybody is talking about this man who's coming riding on a donkey. People are saying, save us. People are proclaiming him. People are like really just praising his name. They're really excited. Some people are still saying, who, who is he? The Jews, you know, they've been expecting this Messiah for over 500 years and foretold before that in the Bible all the way through. Uh, and they, they still don't know who he is. But some people, some people have been on a journey with him. And because it was the festival of the Passover that was coming up, 
Uh, people were already entering Jerusalem. They were making this journey, this pilgrimage into Jerusalem from the villages and the countryside around. And a lot of those people had seen what Jesus had already done in his ministry. Some of those people, a couple of days earlier, would have been around when he told Lazarus to come out of the tomb, who the Bible tells us not only had been dead for how many days, but uh, the King James Version, beautiful phraseology where it says, and he stinketh. Okay, all right. He was so dead that that he stunk. All right. Jesus had called this guy out of his tomb and from the dead, and he'd come out. They'd seen amazing things. They'd seen him feed a giant crowd of people with a small boy's packed lunch. They'd seen all these things. And those who had had experience of being around Jesus and getting to know him, they answer this question of who is this by saying this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amazing scenes of triumph. This king of kings, this sought-after Messiah. The one that the Jews are are hoping is going to save them from this kind of tyrannical rule uh, of the Romans that have come in and taken over their lands and and are charging them taxes and all this kind of stuff. And they're excited. This Messiah is going to come in. But you know what? I'm sure quite a few of them would have preferred he to come in with an army of guys and he'd have been on the back of a horse instead of on a donkey coming in in peace. And we always read this story with kind of the hindsight that we've kind of flicked to the back of the book. Okay, We've we've got to the end of the story and we've read the last page and we know what's coming. We know that, that five days later, Jesus has been arrested and people have turned on him. And we know that the story's changed and people's attitude has changed. And it's a really quick turnaround. If we were watching a political uh, broadcast with the elections, it would be a massive swing on the swingometer of public opinion from this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, into this moment where he's betrayed, he's been arrested, his followers scatter, the people turn on him, even some of those people who've been shouting his name, who've joined in with the crowd and been shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Some of those people will have turned on him. Do you know what? Those people maybe had only just got caught up with things as he was arriving in Jerusalem five days earlier. But also, I reckon some of those people who answered with the question, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Some of the people who'd seen what he'd done. Some of the people who'd been around him for a while. I reckon probably some of those people were again part of that crowd that turned on him. Maybe... They were just going along with the crowd in the first place and they hadn't really got to know who Jesus was but they were following that crowd out there in the the countryside and stuff and and they just got caught up in it. Maybe they really kind of had got an idea who Jesus was but when the, the officials 
started coming along and saying he was going to be arrested and started saying he was a criminal and started saying he was blaspheming against God and that, that he couldn't be who he said he was, maybe they just got intimidated. Maybe they just got intimidated by people who are holding power. So that when Pilate asks, when he's got Jesus kind of on trial and they've brought him there, when Pilate asks, what shall I do with this man who is called Christ? Some of those people who have welcomed him in with such passion. In response to that question, what shall I do with this man who is called the Christ? Let's crucify him. Crucify him. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. Do you know what? Uh, in Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked this, this, his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So this is dropping back a bit. Okay, This is going back before what's just happened. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That's this promised king, this promised one who's going to come and bring about good things for the Jews. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. So he means, I didn't didn't tell you this. Nobody here has told you this. But by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Okay, in the original language, we're getting a bit of Jesus' kind of humor here. Okay, and Jesus is giving him uh, a nickname. Okay, he's calling him Peter or Petros which means rock. It's a bit like he just, Jesus turns around and he says, okay, I tell you, you're called Rocky now. Okay, your nickname is Rocky. I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, that's hell, will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this amazing moment where Peter, uh, he says he knows who Jesus is. He says he's the son of God. He says he's the Messiah. And we fast forward onto Matthew 26. And Peter ends up, uh, here we go, Peter ends up denying Jesus. It says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know this man. So this is not a little polite, oh, I, don't know, I don't know who he is. He says it with an oath, right, okay. If I was going to say it in modern language, what he probably said, okay, in modern terms, then we'd need a beep machine for the podcast. Okay, he would have sworn 
at this point, used an oath. Okay? Something a little bit stronger than, for Flip's sake, I don't know him. Okay? After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. He starts calling down curses on himself. Something along the lines, I don't know, of, do you know what? I don't know him. And if I do know him, then, you know, fire come down from heaven and burn me up on the spot because I do not know this man. I don't know him. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside. And he wept bitterly. This realization that actually he, he'd betrayed Jesus. Why was it that people were so quick to turn around? From saying he was the savior, he was going to come and save them. Why is it that even Peter, one of his best friends, one of his disciples, kind of hid away in the corners and he said, I, I don't know who he is. It's nothing to do with me. I'm not, I'm not with him. Do you know what? Supporting someone and getting behind someone is a lot easier when there's nothing riding on it. Yeah? There was a lot riding on this for Peter. He'd just seen Jesus arrested. Maybe he thought he was going to get arrested himself. So he just says, no, no. I don't know him. And I don't know about you, but there's lots of situations in life when I've been growing up uh, and, and in my faith where um, people have been talking. Maybe people have been kind of taking the mick out of, out of church, out of Christianity. Maybe they've been kind of talking about God and what a stupid thing it is to believe in God. And, um, you know, maybe I haven't stood up. Maybe I haven't stood up and said, I don't know him. But in that same way, maybe I've kind of disowned him because there was something riding on it that maybe I wasn't willing to pay the cost of. Do you know what? Not everyone disowned him. Some of them just kind of scattered. And they felt lost. And there was this guy that they'd followed, um, whether it was his disciples or whether they'd kind of followed him at a distance and, and been around when he performed some of his miracles or when he'd been speaking. And they'd kind of bought into what Jesus was saying, but actually then kind of like he got arrested, he was going to be crucified, and they just kind of like scattered and just went, oh, do you know, well, obviously he wasn't who I thought he was. Who is he? I don't, I, I'm not sure now. Do you know what? Sometimes we, we're in a place where we get persecuted for what we believe. And sometimes we are afraid of saying we know who Jesus is because we're afraid uh, of being persecuted ourselves, of people having a go. You know, maybe that's the worst we've got to worry about in this country, but there's countries all around the world where today people are losing their lives because people are saying, you know, who's Jesus? Are you following him? And they're not just, you know, asking a, a question in the pub over a pint or in the school playground or at college or whatever, they're, they're asking with a gun to their head. 
you know, say you renounce Jesus and we'll let you go. What position to be put in? How many of us then would say, I, I don't know who he is? I don't know. Do you know what? I think the reason a lot of those people turned on Jesus in that week leading up to the crucifixion and during his death was because actually they wanted something else. And Jesus, when he came as this Messiah, maybe wasn't what they wanted. But they didn't understand that actually he was what they needed. And sometimes that's the same for us. Maybe Jesus doesn't do things the way that we want them to be done or the way that we think they ought to be done or in the timing that we think they ought to be done. And because of that, we start to look and we say, oh, he's not, he's not there. He's not, I, I can't trust him. I can't put my faith in him. Do you know what? If God's not, if Jesus is not wiser than us, okay, if Jesus doesn't have more wisdom, if we believe that we might know better than him on how to do things, then, you know, there's no reason to worship him. He's the, he's the one who created the world. He's the one who created the world creation and all the mystery and all the stuff we don't yet understand about the world. He's the one who created it. So if there can't be a little bit of mystery around him and what he does, do you know what? Who, who can there be mystery around? It says loads of people say that phrase, don't they? God works in mysterious ways. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Right? God works in mysterious ways. But too right. Too right. God invented mysterious ways. He's allowed to work in mysterious ways. So, Matthew 27. We get on to Good Friday, and we're going to be celebrating Good Friday uh, with churches together in Netherton at St. Peter's uh, on Friday night. It's going to be a little bit different to what we do here. You know, there's no denying that, okay, but I'd love it if you could get along there, okay, and love it if you could support what guys are doing in other churches around the town. But I'm sure we'll be hearing about this story, and this verse comes immediately after Jesus has has breathed his final breath on the cross and it says this at that moment the curtain of the temple okay so we're talking about this huge huge thick curtain that couldn't be pulled apart by by horses okay right the moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom okay top to bottom okay it was really really high nobody could get up there all right to do it without loads and loads of special equipment all right so it, nobody just kind of pulled it at the bottom and it went okay it wasn't like these curtains at the back you can try it if you want to rip that velvet one in half i'm pretty confident it won't rip uh don't try actually just you know have a little play with it but amazing things started happening at the moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook Okay, there was an earthquake, rocks split, tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city and they appeared to many people. And when the centurion, so this is the guy who's in charge uh, of the soldiers, 
of the Roman soldiers. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Surely he was the son of God. All through this trial and stuff, they'd have heard people kind of mocking Jesus. They'd heard the stuff that was said about him. And this centurion says, surely, surely he was the son of God. The moment he dies, these amazing things start happening. But look at it. It's, it's, it's in the past tense. Okay, surely he was the son of God. I imagine that these soldiers, they, they start kind of going off their shift after they, they've guarded and, you know, imagine they kind of sit together in their, their barracks and wherever they're stationed and things like this and take off their armor and their, their helmets and they, they've kind of washed the dust off and they kind of sat down. As I imagine Roman soldiers of the time would have done with a, with a cup of wine and they're sitting around and they're talking about what's gone on during the day and they ask that question again. Who was he? They said, surely he was the son of God. Who was he? So, so what happens now? What was he saying? Who was he? What, what was it that we saw? Did we really see that? Did that really happen? Was that a coincidence? At this point, dead people. Dead people have been in the tomb. They're starting to turn up at family gatherings all around Jerusalem. And people are going, what is going on? What is going on? See, we're going to watch a video in a second. What is going on? They're asking this question. It's Friday. And Sunday is just around the corner. The Easter miracle that we all know about, that we're going to celebrate and we're going to talk about next Sunday. That makes sense of it all. But for now, God's calling us through the mystery. And at this point, for those Roman soldiers and for those people around, they're looking into the mystery and they're asking that question, who is he?